0: This week, I continue the series that Mark Helvagian began last week, did a great job. If you missed it, check it out on the podcast or the videocast. Really did an outstanding job of launching The Blessing Part Two. And uh, as he said, you know, we, we did a series on The Blessing uh, in uh, the autumn, and uh, we felt at the end of that we needed to spend time talking about the application. It's not just about that there is a blessing or God's intention is to bless or that, you know, we are called to be a blessing. It's how do we avail ourselves of that? How do we lay hands on that? And, uh, you know, he, last week uh, in this, this blessing series, he, he began by talking about uh, the way the children of Israel escape from, uh, from Egypt and how they passed through the Red Sea and Um, I'm actually gonna, this morning, spend a bit of time reading scripture from the New Testament, but I do just wanna dip back onto the next step in that story that Mark referred to. You know, the children of Israel come, as he said, they they went into the Red Sea, uh, they came out of Egypt in boldness, but they came out of the Red Sea with praise, uh, because God delivered them in an absolutely astonishing way, uh, a way that we still talk about to this day, in parting the Red Sea, there was a, we would call it, I suppose, if you're a freak of nature. But in, if you're not of faith, you just call it a freak of nature. Such crazy things happen. But, but actually, as people of faith, we say, well, we believe what the Bible says. And the Bible says that God parted the Red Sea. It was kind of heaped up, and they passed through. And there could be no doubt. There could be no, oh, um, Moses did it. He's a great guy. Or we did it. We, we, we went for it. It was there was only one conclusion that the people of Israel could come to, and that was that God had delivered them, and so they came out of that onto you know into the sort of edge of Sinai, and and uh, and actually, as many of you probably know, the journey from from that point to the Promised Land takes you know if you've got a, if you've got thousands and tens and thousands of you, probably eleven days no, ten or eleven days five five or six miles a day with all your chattels and goods and granny and all the rest of it. It takes 10 or 11 days. In fact, they spent 40 years wandering around the desert. Not that they got lost, it's just that they grossly offended God. Just when they shouldn't have held back, they grossly offended God. And the story, and you can read about it, it is an astonishing story, is in Numbers 13. We're not going to go there now, but to summarize that story, They've they've been brought out of Egypt. They've come out as 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 wealthy people, decked in fine clothes and jewelry and all the rest of it. They've seen God uh, deliver them, you know, just miraculously and powerfully and decisively. So they come. They they finally, after going to Mount Sinai and the Ten Commandments, all this kind of thing, they end up on the borders of the land of Canaan. This this land of blessing. This land of promise. And, and we've been saying, you know, that this year we have this strong sense that we have an, what we call an open heaven. That this is a year of opportunity for us. And this is a year when, when we can know God's flavor, an open heaven, thank you. And uh, I think I've got a screen for that, have I not? There we go. And, uh, and we are saying, you know, if that be the case, how can we take hold of this? Is it, do we just sit back and let God do it? Or, or do we embrace it? Or is there some part of this that we can, we can uh, be involved in? And so Mark spoke about first step of that. And, and I really want to say this, that the lessons that we can learn from the children of Israel as they're about to go into Canaan, when Moses, under the Lord's prompting, sends 12 spies into the land of Canaan to check out the land, this this land of promise. You know, we we can learn something here, lest we end up wandering around in the desert, wondering what the heck is happening to us. Because in that situation, as many of you know, what happened was that these 12 spies a representative from each of the tribes of Israel, 12 tribes of Israel, they went into They went into uh, Canaan, and they came back after 40 days with a good report. Well, some thought it was a good report. They came back and said, it's just as the Lord had said. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. I mean, here's some of the produce. I mean, I ask you, look at this. Have you ever seen grapes like that? I mean, it's amazing. You know, the... Good pasture for the flocks, fresh water. you know, you just sort of drop a seed on, on the ground and it seems to grow. This is a fabulous place. And ten of, the, 10 of the spies, 10 of the spies actually said, "but." Now the word in the Hebrew for, Hebrew for spies is interesting. It's, I need to check my notes here. It's uh, actually Merogim and it can be, can be translated as spies, but it can also be translated, uh, translated as traitors, deserters. Traitors, deserters. Hold that thought. And so these guys, the 10, said, yeah, it's a great place, but there's, there's a problem. <laughs> the people in that land are really big. <laughs> We feel so small. That slave mentality, and I think I mentioned this last year in some preacher or other I did, that slave mentality begins to overtake them again. What they were once begins to kind of uh, burden them and bend them and break them down. They've forgotten already what God has done. Ten plagues in Egypt, coming out of Egypt as princes and princesses, delivering them with the... uh, The whole business of the Red Sea. There was also a battle along the way on this side. They were attacked by the Amalekites. And Joshua and the guys managed to, under the prompting and empowering of God, rout them. It's not like they've never been in a battle or anything. But these guys come back and go, oh, dear, it's a bit scary. Now, Joshua and Caleb, many of you know, they said, we should go for it, for God is on our side. But the spies said, no, the land devours people like us. And there was this great tension, there was this great kind of argument and the people got really kind of uppity about it. And some of them actually went so far as to say, I knew it, God brought us out into the desert to destroy us. He's setting us up for a fall. Don't believe these Joshua and Caleb guys. You know know who we are, we're gonna take a shellacking there. It's gonna be the end of all that. Well, God was seriously ticked off. That's a theological term, by the way. Anyway, the net result of it all was that God swore that no one of that generation who'd you know, muttered against God's, God's plan to go into Canaan after everything they'd seen would actually inherit it. They were unable to push through their fears. And they defaulted to that slave mentality, oh, it's too big for us, or we're going to get beaten, and all the rest of it. You know, our dear runners, David and and Eka, I've never done a marathon, in all due respect. But I understand this, that most marathon runners will tell you that you hit a wall, the wall, that point, anything from 17 miles up to about 23 miles into the marathon, where you really, 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 wanna give up, where you really think I'm done, I've overestimated this, I need to give up. And inexperienced runners will give up at that point, but experienced runners will overcome their fear, their anxiety, their, 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 their concerns for their safety, they will keep going, they will press on in, and at that point, Somewhere along the way, they get that second wind. Christian, if you want to take hold of the blessing of God, do not be surprised when opposition comes against you, when things that appear not to be the blessing of God come and confront you and cause you to doubt that which you thought God has said. Didn't God say to us that we would do this or that or we would have an open heaven this year or a time of blessing? Didn't God say There's a key spiritual uh, principle here that we are to be tested. That's what the enemy's role is, to test us. And it is our role to hold fast to the faith and believe in God and press on through so that we can take hold of those blessings. Now we're gonna look at the New Testament. This little talk is about courage and boldness. Mark asked me to, he, he put together the, the preaching schema and he said, can you talk about courage and boldness? And in the Christian faith, courage and boldness is all about overcoming our fear. There's the punchline. <laughs> if I drop dead now, you'll know what it's about, what I'm gonna to say to you, what I'm gonna t- teach you on. Courage and boldness is not just something that you do in the heat of the moment. You know, some, some person dashes into the road to grab a toddler Who's wandered off, and on the other side, everybody claps up on the back and said, "You're a hero, weren't you scared?" I mean, there was a, tr- a car a truck, train even bearing down on you. Didn't, and they just say, "I didn't even think about it. I just did what I seemed to be, think was necessary. It's not like that. This is, this is different. It's not spur-of-the-moment stuff. Christian courage and boldness is something you have to set your face and your heart and your mind on, and determine to do, "I will believe God. Come hell or high water." And so help me, God. It's something like the marathon runner. You know, we push through it. Now we're going to look at Acts chapter 4. And there's a number of little things I want to pull out of this. So there's going to be a fair amount of of scripture in the next uh, 10, 15 minutes. And then we'll finish. But I want to read this story in Acts chapter 4. So what has happened up to this point? Acts chapter 4 is the account of the birth of the church. Your ancestors, if you like, and mine. Jesus has died, Jesus has risen, Jesus has ascended into the heaven and he's entrusted us, the church, to carry the message of Jesus and the power of his name to the world. And what's more, he's not left us alone and comfortless. He's sent the Holy Spirit. We read about that in Acts 1 and 2 about the exploits and the encounter, the first encounter that the Christians had and experience of the Holy Spirit where they were fired up, literally fired up and turn from, you know, they just went for it. So, so this is the first bit of opposition, the first hint of trouble to come, following that initial experience. And Peter and John have healed somebody; God has healed them, healed this person through them, and it's just a remarkable miracle. Everybody's talking about it; everybody knows about it. And then we pick up the text at uh, Acts. Chapter 4, and uh, we're looking at 1 to 13. It'll come up on the screen, read it on your smart devices, your Bibles, whatever, and I'm going to read it to you too. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. And they seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so was Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest's family. And they had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? That that question bothers me. Somebody's just got wonderfully healed. And they're not asking, how did you do that? How can we do that? Is there something we could do? They're saying, who gave you permission to heal this person wonderfully? I mean, I ask you, how how petty is that? Who gave you permission? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands healed before you. The stone you build rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were un- astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. They noted their courage. It unsettled them a little bit. They noted their courage. There's a number of other little things. I just want to actually zero on nine to 10 again. Just read these verses. If we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, which was really not quite what they were asking, but Peter makes the point, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. You know, this week's been an interesting week, number of challenges and stuff this week. We, uh, we have 85 partners, this church has 85 partners, many Christian partners, many churches, who assist us now in our growing compassion ministry in its various forms. As far as the food bank is concerned, which we call feed, probably our largest and most influential partner is Ocado. Last, in the four months running up to Christmas, we received from them over eight tons of food which we distributed. This is no two bags and a thank you, ma'am. This is a big operation. That's why we're thinking thinking big and all the rest of it. Now, they asked us, quite rightly so, and it was remiss of us not to have thought about this before, but they asked us to produce a report for their board. This is it. And Emma and our team did an absolutely outstanding job. We're going to adapt it a little bit just for our own use here, but this was the report that we produced for Ricardo, the largest online retailer, food retailer in the world, and they read it, and they said, this is Flippin' awesome. This is amazing. And they were completely blown away. There was just one thing that they asked us to change. In the opening paragraph, and I'll read you the email, that, or a section of the email. Probably going to get in an awful lot of trouble over this, by the way. But anyway, it says, hi Emma, and this is the lady uh, who we... we our liaison person at Ocado, just met with uh, the, uh, my, my boss at Ocado. She said the, the brochure is fab. Just two things they would like tweaked. Page one, where it says, in an attempt to live out Jesus' command to love our neighbor, they have said that they cannot send this brochure out to their investors' employers with this because it breaches their work stance on being respectful to all uh, religions. Can you remove it? Well, I'll be honest with you, my first reaction when I read that was, oh, well, we just say you know, God or something like that? And I thought, what the heck? I'm writing this sermon about people being offended about the name of Jesus. And here we are in Western Europe in the 21st century, and they love this thing that we're, we're producing. And actually, we're doing them a favor because if we hadn't taken that eight tons of food, they'd have had to pay for it to go to a, to a, a landfill site. And so I wrote back, I wrote to the team, and I said, because the team turned to me and said, well, what do, you, what do you think we should do about this, Chris? And so I just wrote this email. I said, hi, Heather, hi, Emma. I would point out two things relating to their request to remove the statement in an attempt to live out Jesus' commands to live one another, to love one another. One, this statement is not disrespectful of other religions. In fact, quite the opposite. Love one another. And two... Jesus' command to love one another is central to the worldwide Christian faith and for Ocado to ask us to remove it, it is highly disrespectful of the Christian religion. Thank you. I would also like to add that we're highly appreciative of our partnership with Ocado, one in which we ourselves have invested over a million pounds of our own money. You see, there's pressure even today There are people today who are saying, we don't mind you doing good things, great, well done, pat on the back, just don't mention Jesus. This is what happened with the city. The city, as those of you who were around two or three years ago know that we've spent a lot of time talking to the city. They wanted us to run a food bank. and We were delighted to do it and we were gonna put money into it and supply all the volunteers and we didn't even mind that they wanted to call it, you know, St. Albans City Food Bank. The only, our, only, our only real thing was that we need to say upfront that we're Christians, we believe in Jesus. As long as we can do that, that's fine. And initially they said, oh, oh, uh, oh, uh, oh, really, really? Oh, oh yeah, I mean, yeah, 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 <laughs> fine. Yeah, yeah, but afterwards it was no. You can't do that, we don't offend anybody. You see, there's something about the name of Jesus. So long as we talk about God, people find it a bit quirky, a bit strange, a bit odd, but we can live with that but you start doing things in the name of Jesus and for Jesus and for the honor of Jesus suddenly isn't it funny it goes a bit weird because they think we're weird but actually we're not doing this for a health cure we're not doing this just to be nice people we're doing this in the name of Jesus because there is salvation in no other name Verse 12, I think, I uh, just, just, I don't know whether I'm, uh, here we are, Yes, yeah, salvation is found in no one else. Whatever you can think of, whatever you can do, whatever you give yourself to, to try and dig your way out of the trouble that you find yourself in, you will never, ever ultimately succeed because there is salvation in no one else. It is in the name of Jesus that we're saved. Let's read on, let's read on. So here we have this situation where Peter and John are, they're intimidating them. And what they decide to do, what the authorities decide to do, is they warn them very severely. I don't think they beat them up at this point, I can't remember. Do they? No, not at this stage, thank you. Dennis, you're everywhere this morning. He's down there, and he's at the back, and no, he's over there. Where's he now? It's like, where's Wally, you know? A black Wally. yes that's right that's right so they don't beat him at this stage but they send them send them away with a reprimand essentially if you're going to do this but don't do it in the name of Jesus that's all finished go away don't want to say any more of you so Peter and John they go back to the church the brothers and sisters and we'll pick up the text here, and this is my last little passage, 423 to 31. Follow it along if you will. It says On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer. Sovereign Lord, they said, You made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage, David said, and the people's plot in vain, the kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, and they did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness, stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. These disciples who are now being threatened They will be physically abused. Many of them, if not all of them, will be martyred. Have found a way of pushing through their natural reticence. Pushing through their care and cautiousness. Pushing through their fear and anxiety. And now find themselves praying that they will be bold. I apologize to Karen, our AV operator this morning, because I've gone all over the place and probably disconcerted her. Please don't resign at the end of this talk. (laughs) She's giving me the thumbs up. She's not going to resign. (laughs) These are the same disciples who in John 20, after Jesus was crucified, locked themselves away. And it says in the scriptures, John John records it, for fear of the Jews. Were these guys suddenly not afraid? No. Were they suddenly sort of in a state of euphoria where suddenly the blessing came upon them and God had promised them an open heaven and God promised them signs and wonders and God promised them that this, this message of the gospel would go to the end of the world? All of that was true. Were they nonetheless suddenly floating on clouds and everything was easy? No, in order to avail themselves of the blessing, And this brings it right home in order to avail of the blessing. We have got to show courage and boldness. You know, we all know, if you're a follower of Jesus, you'll have heard already that that God is looking for faith. Mark mentioned it last week. We continually mention it. God is looking for faith. It's the treasure he seeks in us. It's the treasure he seeks in us. Faith. But faith is not just a private thing tucked away in that sort of, you know, little bit of ourselves that we reserve for, you know, our most precious thoughts. Faith is a verb, it's something we do. And faith will always take, always take courage and boldness. So if you are facing challenges this year, if you are being tempted to disbelieve, that this, there is a, a blessing and an opportunity and that there is favor upon us at this time, you really have to understand that that's to be expected. There will be challenges. There will be opposition. But we have to push through, just like David and Echo will have to push through the wall to keep going until we get the breakthrough. That's how you take hold of the blessing. It's not, oh, I just sort of sit. Back and be blessed. It's you press on it to take hold. I think Wesley uh, said, pray as if it all depends on God, work as if it all depends on you. That's it. That's the way we do it. That's the way we get through to December 31st, look back on this year and say, wow, what a year. But what a blessing. What a savior. What a God. Amen? Bless you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Let's have the uh, worship band up. Why don't we just stand and pray? You know, God is in the house, and I think this is a good morning to get some prayer. If, you, uh, if you're suffering with some Physical ailment, I'll read out a few words of knowledge, things that we sense God is prompting us to, uh, to broadcast and to uh, give opportunity for people to pray. I'll do that after this worship time. And I want to encourage you, if, if you have any ailment whatsoever, or if you, when I read out those words of knowledge, have that sense that that might be about you, go forward and get prayer. Because the Holy Spirit loves to confirm the truth about Jesus with signs and wonders. And we've made a real point this morning and we're going to try and labor that a bit over the next few weeks and months. About it's all about Jesus, it's all about Jesus, it's all about Jesus. Let Jesus be glorified. And if we continue to do that, we'll see more power, more blessing, more favor, more opposition goes, but we'll we'll find the boldness in Christ to push on through that. So after this, when I read those words and invite you to come forward for prayer, just do it. Don't argue yourself out of it. Just do it.